So my kids don't appreciate naps. Leah and Lucy usually don't want to nap when it's nap time. They protest, they fight it. They'd much rather be awake and reading books or watching TV or playing with their sisters. They say, no, no, no nap. No, no, anything but the nap. And Lisa and I try to tell them, you kids don't appreciate nothing. I would love to be in your shoes and get to take a nap every single day. I would love to have an authority come and stop me in the middle of my day and say, you know, drop everything you're working on. You have to rest for the next couple of hours. That's your job now. We say this to them over and over, but it doesn't make any difference. They don't want a nap. It's an imposition in their life. They don't like having to slow down and stop their day. And I think a lot of us are the same way. While we love to rest, we don't love it when someone else tells us to. We say, like Leah and Lucy, I will be the one who decides when I will rest. And yet we're often really bad at slowing ourselves down, stopping, and then assigning ourselves that appropriate amount of rest. So it shouldn't be a surprise to us to learn that God, our Heavenly Father, had to command his people to rest. Most people have heard of the Ten Commandments. Some of these commandments you can probably even name from memory. And most people would agree that a lot of these are just as common sense today as they were back in Moses' time. You shall not murder. That's a good one. We should still hold on to that one. Don't murder, please. You shall not steal. Good. Another good one. Easy to understand. You shall not lie about your neighbor. Great. We, we get this. They're simple, easy to remember, and easy to follow for the most part. But what about this one? Commandment number four. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. This commandment is the longest of all of them, and it's not as concise as you shall not murder. It comes with some unpacking, some specific instructions, and even a rationale behind it, which is when God created the world, he worked for six days, and then when he was done, he rested on the seventh day. So you should too. So working is a good thing. God worked hard, creating one thing after another and then declaring each of them to be good. Light, good. Land, good. Animals, good. People, very good. And what about resting after your work? That's good too. God blesses Sabbath rest and sanctified the day of rest, making it holy. This is a special, set apart, different kind of day. I've mentioned before that we shouldn't understand God's seventh day rest as something that God needed because he was so tired from all that creating. It's not like he said, boy, that Mariana Trent sure was a beast. I'm going to hit the Tylenol and probably fall asleep watching Netflix. God's not like that. He's not like us in that way. He doesn't get tired. Some translations of Genesis 2-2 don't say that he rested from his work, but that God stopped working. God created so many good things and then he set aside time to enjoy his creation to appreciate the beauty and the goodness of his created world. And God saw that this rhythm of work and rest was good, so he commanded it to his people as well. I did this, now you guys should do this. Six days on, one day off. Work, 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 rest. Work, 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 rest. This is your rhythm. Sing it with me. Work, 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 rest. Work, 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 rest. Oh, work, 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 rest. Work, 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 rest.
Got it? It's a good rhythm. Work six days and then set aside one day for not working, but for resting, for eating and enjoying and appreciating the blessings of family and the created world. Don't run your errands. Don't clean your gutters. Don't squeeze in three birthday parties, but slow down and stop. Rest. It's not a punishment. It's not supposed to be a burden for you. It's a good thing for you. In fact, you need this in your life. I read an article about a recent study by John Pensavel at Stanford University who says there's actually a productivity threshold where at a certain point, it doesn't matter how many more hours you work, your productivity just stops. Pensavel's study found that employee output falls sharply after a 50-hour work week and falls off a cliff after 55 hours. So much so that someone who puts in 70 hours produces nothing more with those extra 15 hours. Interestingly, 50 hours uh, is about a six-day work week. Interesting. I assume if you're watching this, then you haven't been stealing or murdering folks lately. Good on you. But how have we been doing with keeping the fourth commandment? To stop working and to set aside a whole day every six days. My guess is, like my daughters, you resist the rest that you haven't prescribed to yourself. And I'm the same way. Each year I get to serve as a judge for a competition called the Next Generation Preacher Search. It's where high school and college students get to submit a short Bible teaching video. And the top finalists then gather together at Pepperdine University, and there's coaching, and there's, there's prizes and stuff. It's this great effort to raise up the next generation of preachers and church leaders. Well, this year I heard an excellent video lesson by a young woman named Megan, and her lesson was on the Sabbath. So I was like, oh, cool, I'm, in, I'm interested in this. God designed a real rest called the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is a type of rest that leaves us feeling more complete and whole and closer to God. It was really hard to find anything critical to say with her lesson, but in my evaluation, I gave her this piece of feedback. You should anticipate resistance to the suggestion of modern day Sabbath keeping. I told her, you need to prepare yourself for some common ways that Christians push back against the idea that observing the Sabbath is something that we ought to do today. You'll hear people say things like, Sabbath, that's Old Testament stuff. We don't have to do that anymore. Or they'll point out, uh, in the Gospels, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for forcing their strict Sabbath rules on him. That makes the Sabbath unnecessary. Some people will say, listen, sounds great, but I can't afford it. You, you take a look at my schedule and you tell me where I can neglect all of my responsibilities for an entire day. I'm simply too busy. Some people say that. And then at the under, other end of the spectrum, some people might say, Jacob, my whole life is Sabbath right now. I'm retired. I'm on lockdown. I have the opposite problem of not slowing down. I'm, I'm just waiting for things to speed up again. And if people are real honest, they will say, in addition to all of those other things, I just don't want to. I don't have to. It's not a good fit right now, so no, no thanks. Another way of putting this might be that we don't believe God when he says that this is something that's good for you. Yes, it's true. Jesus points out that the Pharisees had an unhealthy view of the purpose of the Sabbath, but that doesn't make it obsolete. Jesus himself continued to observe the Sabbath because it was one of God's good gifts that he gives his people. And Jesus even said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So Jesus rebukes the Pharisees because they missed the point with their overly strict Sabbath observance. And maybe in the same way, we miss the point with our overly strict Sabbath avoidance. We'll talk a bit more about Jesus and the Sabbath in a couple of weeks, but for now, I just want to point out 
that if God blessed the Sabbath, and if, as Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, and if Jesus made Sabbath a part of his rhythm of life, and if I'm trying to be like Jesus, then maybe I should be interested in that rhythm myself. And that realization hit me a couple years ago. And I want to take a few minutes now to tell you about my own journey of practicing Sabbath the last couple years. Um, at some point, two things happened. One, I started learning more about modern day people who observed the Sabbath uh, in one way or another. And two, I saw that my own pace of life was getting more and more hectic. So I was very open to the possibility of intentionally adding rest into my life. I read uh, a book called The TechWise Family by Andy Crouch, and he recommends shutting off your phone for one hour a day, one day a week, and one month a year. That's usually when you're on vacation. I found this idea compelling, so I started there. I started with a self-imposed cell phone Sabbath. I turned my phone completely off every Friday. Now, Friday is one of the days that I'm off of work, so I wanted to be undistracted from my tasks, from any requests that came in, from emails and social media and screen time, so that I could be more present with Lisa and the girls. And I gotta tell you, this was hard. This was a hard change to make. I kept compulsively taking my phone out of my pocket, but it was off and there wasn't anything to check. I read that the average smartphone user checks their phone 80 times a day, and that's a huge habit to suddenly just drop. But it ended up being a good thing. I learned that it was possible to do it. You know, the world didn't end and there wasn't any crisis that only I could solve while I had my phone off. And I learned that it was healthy for me and for my family to intentionally unplug. So it was a good start as we kind of dipped our toes in the, the Sabbath keeping waters. Last Christmas break, I read the book The Sabbath by Abraham Heschel. By the time I was done reading his description of how his family observed the Sabbath each weekend, I was convinced that I needed to incorporate into my life a whole day that was dedicated to rest and worship and simply enjoying and acknowledging God's good creation. No toilsome work, no errands, no checking things off my to-do list. Lisa read the book too, and so starting in January, we began observing Sabbath as a whole family every week. Dinner time on Friday to dinner time on Saturday was reserved for resting and napping, playing, going for walks, eating, reading, worship songs. And this experience was good, but it was a hard adjustment to make as well. We realized that we needed to be very intentional on Fridays in preparation for the Saturday Sabbath. We had to clean the house and cook the food ahead of time. We had to send off all those emails and texts that might require our attention the next day. And this made our Fridays feel more hectic. We also realized that we still had four kids with various needs, so Sabbath didn't just mean checking out of all of our parenting responsibilities for the day, unfortunately. And we also faced real-life dilemmas like, what if we're invited to something on our Sabbath day? Do we, do we have to say no? Are we allowed to wash the dishes? Or is it okay if we watch a movie on the Sabbath? And we realized we kind of started out like the Pharisees. And then we heard Jesus saying, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. We were missing the point. So we started adapting and we tried not to evaluate whether or not we were succeeding or failing at remembering the Sabbath. And now we look forward to the Sabbath each week. We enjoy the clean house and the time together and the slow pace. We enjoy our family prayers and our family game time. It kind of reminds me of stories that I've heard from some of our older Tri-Valley members about when back in the day, their Sundays were like a Sabbath day. Families would dedicate the entire day to worship and rest. 
All the stores were closed, and you'd go to church two or three times that day. You'd eat with friends after worshiping together. You'd take a Sunday nap. It was a good pace. I think about today. The Christmas season provides us with more opportunities to lean into a pace of life that includes Sabbath. And our current social climate might give us even more of that this year. I just hope that we'll take advantage of this opportunity and establish some intentional Sabbath rhythms in our lives. Sabbath is an exercise in anticipating the ultimate peace that God is bringing into his world through Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself said, I am the fulfillment of this law and I am the Lord of the Sabbath. That peace that you've been anticipating, it's arrived in me. But if our usual response to the concept of Sabbath is dismissive or resistant, then we may miss this good gift of rest that God is putting before us. What our resistance to rest reveals is that our identity and our personal value is very much tied up into what we can accomplish. We sometimes think we're not valuable unless we're a productive worker, a helpful friend, an active social media poster, a contributing member of society. And while those are all good things, we need to understand that that's not why God loves us. The gospel teaches us that we aren't loved by God or saved from sin because of our reputation or how good we are or how many of the commandments we keep. We're loved by God because he chose us. We are his children and he has freely given us grace through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's already been decided. God has decided. He loves us and we can find rest and peace in that knowledge. So the Parnell family has a lullaby that we sing to Lucy. It's a bedtime song reminding her that the only responsibility she has right now is to rest. Your job at this moment, Lucy, is to sleep. The song says, the day is over now, the only thing that's left is to rest. And it's a good song for a little girl who doesn't like to go to bed at nap time or bedtime, but it's also a good word for all of us as God's children. In this song, we're reminded that God invites us to find rest in him and that he loves us even when we aren't doing anything. So I'd like to share this song with you now. And as it's playing, I invite you to think about the creator God who tenderly cares for his creation and who offers you Sabbath rest in Jesus Christ. Lucy, baby, come and rest your head on my shoulder it is time for bed the day is over now the only thing that's left is to rest lucy baby you have tired eyes let your worries become child size the day is over now the only thing that's left is to rest with me there is nowhere else to be I love you even when you don't do anything rest with me Lucy baby you've been on the go 
Showing everybody what you know The day is over now The only thing that's left is to rest Lucy, baby, every single day Has its troubles, let them fade away The day is over now The only thing that's left is to rest There is nowhere else to be I love you even when You don't do anything Rest with me There is nowhere else to be You're not just what you do So don't do anything with